Grace to you and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, born to be our Savior, returning to be our King, fellow redeemed. Our sermon texts, again, are those words of the Old Testament reading from the prophet Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So far our sermon text. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for the prophecies that you gave to prepare your people for the coming of their Savior, for your visitation to this earth. We ask today that you would prepare our hearts through these words also uh, to remember how he came and how he won salvation for us with his perfect life innocent death, his resurrection and ascension to glory. And today we pray also that you would remind us that he is soon to return again so that we are ready and prepared for that blessed day. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Fellow redeeming Christ, I got an email a while back from the state of Indiana. I used to live in Indiana a long time ago. And um, it directed me to a website. It wasn't uh, phishing or anything like that, but it directed me to this website that I didn't know about where they list out all the money that's owed to people. And uh, it turns out that um, quite a while ago, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles overcharged me by (laughs) $9.50. So there's $9.50 sitting there just for me. Sometimes this sort of thing happens when a government entity has just forgotten something or done something wrong or usually it's pretty minor. But sometimes these websites are there to announce something much greater than a $9.50 credit. Sometimes it turns out that people have inherited money from an estate, but they're not aware of it. They don't know it's some long lost relative and perhaps even millions of dollars are waiting for them. Can you imagine going to one of those websites and seeing six or seven digits there worth of, worth of your inheritance that you didn't know about? 
Sometimes these websites are messengers of great news. And out of the blue, you find out that there's a bunch of money there just waiting for you to claim it. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? The prophet Malachi, though, he speaks of a much better message and a much better messenger. He speaks, at least in Hebrew, of the Malach Barit, the messenger of the covenant. And as it is written in the prophecy of Malachi, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. This is the Lord speaking. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So in this text, it's really talking about a forerunner, a, a messenger who will come before the Lord, and then the Lord himself coming as the messenger of the covenant. The first messenger is John the baptizer, preparing the way for the Lord in the wilderness, making straight the highway of our God so that his message can come into our hearts. Anyone who listened to John out there at the River Jordan, they couldn't fail to be watchful for the sudden appearance of the one that John was constantly talking about, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. John preached a message of repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. He preached that the one who would make good on every promise of God was soon to arrive. And the people who listened to him knew that that messenger of the covenant would be none other than the Lord himself in human flesh. That it would be important for them to be prepared for his coming. And not just with an outward show. The Lord sees the heart. Not with a show of pomp and riches, but with an inward attitude of repentance and humility before the King of Kings. The second messenger that Malachi writes about in his prophecy is the Lord himself. The one whom the Old Testament believers had looked forward to for so long, the Lord himself would come down from heaven and take up his place among us human beings. He would be born of the Virgin Mary and become a human being for a very specific purpose, to save us. And when Jesus had come, in his 30th year, he came out to the Jordan River where John was preaching his baptism and repentance. And he fulfilled everything that was written in this prophecy by Malachi. Suddenly he appeared. But it seems sudden only to our human eyes. It seems sudden and unexpected because there was a definite time that God had chosen. And Jesus came as a particular person of a particular race. 
in a particular land. He was born a Jew in the land of Palestine. And our human thinking takes offense at this truth. We're bothered by it. It doesn't seem to fit into our preconceived notions of God and fairness and so on. Why should God choose the Jews? In other words, we think it might have been fairer and better for him to be chosen of another race. But would it matter? If, if God had been born in Ireland or in Poland or in Egypt, what would the ultimate difference have been? God chose his race not based on them, but based on his divine wisdom and the plan of salvation that he had been laying out for thousands of years. Who are we to question that? Maybe we wonder why Jesus didn't appear in China or South America. Only because he did not. Why then and not earlier or later? Well, because it was the fullness of time. It was the time that God had chosen, the time that he had appointed since before he even created the world. Why born of a woman in this peculiar way? It's because God had made a promise, the most important promise. Right at the beginning when Adam and Eve had sinned, God said to Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And why this peculiar birth? born to a virgin. Again, because of God and his promises so that we would know who this, this person is. He said through the prophet Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so it was. Suddenly, when the fullness of time had come, Paul writes, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Could it have been any other way? In any other place? Any other time? I say no, because this was God's choice, not ours. And the Old Testament believers knew this, and they rejoiced because the messenger of the covenant came to bring righteousness to all people through his death and through his resurrection. So they were watchful. They looked for the specifics of God's promises to be fulfilled. They prepared their faithful hearts with repentance and humble prayer. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. When he came, they were quickly able to discern the truth about him, the believers, that is. There at Ainon, where John was baptizing, Jesus came there, and John dropped what he was doing and pointed at the long-promised Savior and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And they believed, and they were not ashamed to hear the message that Christ preached. They believed it. 
Though Jesus' words were at times like a refiner's fire or a fuller's soap, it was difficult and painful to hear the message that they were sinners, that they needed God to step in and do something for them. It's always painful for us to hear that. And yet they were happy, the believers. They were happy because their sinful natures would be skimmed off like the slag from that beautiful molten metal of their new nature. Their spots would be removed from them, and instead of scarlet, they would be white as snow. They were ready because of God's word to them. And likewise, it will soon be that time that only the Father knows when Jesus will return with all his glory. Will we be ready? Will we be ready because of God's word to us? Or does it offend us even now that God would decree a specific time and a specific end to all that we know on earth? People think you're nuts if you talk about the end of the world sometimes. Will we be ready? Does it annoy us? or sound foolish or fanatical that God would declare the truth to the whole world. The end is near. Jesus will return soon. The whole world will perish as though in a fire, as the elements melt away. Be ready. Be prepared. Not with bomb shelters and gas masks and duct tape on the windows. Be prepared in your hearts for the end of it all. All that we know. Be ready in your hearts with repentance and humility to stand before your maker. Don't refuse him. For that he will not forgive. Are we watchful? Are we prepared? If so, it is only by God's grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. None of us can boast. And so then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Are we described by this sentence? Do we bring the offerings of righteousness like the believers of old? Not the offerings of sacrificial animals or gold or silver, but the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving for Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf on the cross. Sometimes we do. Sometimes that's front and center in our hearts. We do bring such praise and thanksgiving to our God here and in our private devotions when we ponder his word, when we pray to him. Sometimes we do not. When we're not thankful, we take it for granted that we're saved. When we'd rather do other things than stop and thank God and hold his word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Sometimes we even think ourselves capable of doing what needs to be done ourselves so that we would 
rather forge ahead in our own strength and then pray for God's strength and guidance later. Being watchful and being prepared does not mean that we are yet perfect. If we were, then we wouldn't need to prepare. Nor would it be a startling thing when Jesus returns. Be watchful and prepared means that we are engaged as those believers of old in seeking and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, seeking it where it can be found in his word and sacraments, not where we think to look. So God pleads with you this morning through my mouth as he once pleaded through John, be watchful, be prepared in repentance and humility. Today you are preparing, whether you realize it or not. By the work of the Holy Spirit, you are hearing and marking and learning and taking to heart this message from God, this message about his grace and love for you in Christ. He is making you ready, ready to be presented spotless as that holy people of God. So today and during this whole season, be watchful. He will return when the time is right. Pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And should the sun rise tomorrow, be watchful again. He will come soon. And our waiting will cease suddenly. This is the Lord's will. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.